I actually have a uh, an opening for us, a special opening for our listeners. Something yeah. something new and exciting. It's more of a public service announcement. Okay, deliver um, our PSA, would you please? Yeah. Um, to our to our listeners, here are a few songs where the chorus lasts twenty seconds. Uh, Prince, Raspberry Beret, Beyonce, Love on Top, Dolly Parton, Jolene, and here this is fun. Toto, Africa, Fleetwood Mac, Landslide. See, now I'm just going to be thinking Beyonce every time I wash my hands, and that's not a bad thing. And you know, and that's the thing. That's that's the one that speaks to you, right? Another one for someone else might be Eminem, Lose Yourself, and Natasha Benningfield, Unwritten. Oh, see, okay, no, there we go. That's that's uh, the rest. I knew you. I knew that one was hiding there for you. That one that you just topped my charts, man. Topped my charts of keeping my hands uh, nice and clean. I, I love that list because it's very different. It's very diverse. So for people who um, are tired of just you know singing a song they don't like when they wash their hands, you can just hit, you can hit the charts and sing what you want because there's plenty out there. Please remember to wash your hands for 20 seconds because it's important. So tell me, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Ryan Falkenberg. I, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I want to start the episode. My name is Aaron Holbert, and I am a photographer based out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. My name is Ryan Falkenberg. I am a comic illustrator based out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And this is the Creative State of Mind. Welcome. This week, we're going to start off by talking about uh, something that I find incredibly interesting in the art world and basically any creative medium. It's the idea of the tragic artist and how we as artists, you need to be in your dark time in order to create work that actually resonates with the world and how that can be damaging to the mindset of an individual when actually trying to navigate through life yes i'm actually excited about this uh or or let's say i'm i'm relieved that we're hitting this this subject um because i i don't know if you heard but i made some comments in our last episode and the funny thing is like i made the comment and we didn't like think to like say hey do we want to stop recording and maybe like think of something better to say because basically I said, if if art isn't making you happy, I would argue it's not art. And I kind of wanted to, like, retouch on that. Not so much to, like, explain what I meant, but to just, con- just to go forward and saying things that are just true instead of, you know, whatever the hell, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh... I was, like, super scared because, like, I thought people, like, as soon as you, when you were sending me, like, the fact, oh, people are listening, or, like, we reached our goal of, like, or our expected goal of 10 listeners and and beyond, I was like, someone is going to find me and tell me about myself, and I was very afraid of that, um, but all it really led to was a pretty, like, uh, energizing and fun conversation uh with uh, my girlfriend who is uh studying fine art and logistics i if it's all right i just want to kind of get into my thoughts on it unless you had any like i'm interested to hear what you have to say yeah no take uh, take us on the train all aboard i'm ready to hear your uh, your ideas awesome um i i think to to start with what the context of what we were talking about was approaching the art world as i want to present my art on the internet 
and feeling like, okay, I, I'm not good enough there, or I'm not experienced enough, and I want to get, I, and now that I am, or as I've gotten better, I'm sending my stuff out there joylessly. I think a better word other than happy, would I would choose now that I've had a chance to think about it, is nourishment. Is art nourishing you? And I had this whole thing where uh, I, I wanted to talk about how art needs to be nourishing to us as artists, which I'm sure you would agree, but that's not a complete, I think, view of art. Yeah, I, I agree, because I think in relation to the topic for the week, that the idea that art needs to nourish you is definitely relevant, because as an artist, you create art, and every individual person is going to have their own specific reason for making art, whether it's, I do it to be like stress-free, I do it for money, I do it to have some kind of medium where I can stretch my creative muscles. I think as we go through the idea of the tragic artist, you're gonna get these ideas that like, the general public viewing your art as, okay, this art needs to like, it, it speaks to me because I can tell like, oh, he was struggling through this moment, or it relates to me on a personal level through the fact that like, okay, it communicates the loss of a loved one. Um, and I think that that is a, it, it's almost dangerous because I mean, if you think about it in music or, Instagram or any kind of medium, a lot of the people that get quote unquote famous are people that other people can relate to. And generally it's easy for humans to relate to others through shared tragedy. I think that just at a psychological level, we as a human go, this person is sad, I am sad. The subject we are sad over is the same. So I feel a bond and I feel like I'm going through something with someone else. I'm not necessarily alone. And I think, yeah, well, I think that was like what I was missing in, in my earlier statements, I think, is that art being a form of expression. Have you ever heard um, the poet by Bastille? The song? No, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I've heard it. Like, I've definitely played the track on the album before, but I don't think I've ever like. It's not sticking in my brain. Yet. It, it's good. It's good. Uh, this is uh, the the chorus. I have written you down. Now you will live forever, and all the world will read you, and you will live forever in eyes not yet created, on tongues not yet born. I have written you down. Now you will live forever. This this idea of like what we are writing you know, or what we're making or what we're taking pictures of or what we're drawing or what we're composing going out as a form of expression. And this is particularly important, uh, well, specifically important to the tragic artist. Like we have, um, uh, God, Van Gogh, who, you know, like painted himself minus one ear. Like he chose to paint himself in that state because that's how he was viewing himself de then during that very difficult time. And I think it's very significant. I think that learning this and going through this, because it was, it was like comforting, you know, to, to know that like an artist can indeed still be an artist when they're in tragedy. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you there that the idea like there's, it's almost a double-edged sword because you don't want to encourage people to, okay, you need to make your life absolutely terrible in order to make anything that resonates with the general public. Of course. Because I definitely think that there is sides of art that resonate well with the general public that are just positive and happy. To think about a like a TV show, um, I know we both watched together that children's show, Hilda. Ah, oh, yeah, I love Hilda. That was on Netflix. Like, it was just super positive and crazy beautiful, and there was nothing about it that made me think like, oh, 
this is something that came from a tortured artist's soul, but it definitely was still something that emanated a certain message and still had an idea of beauty behind it that I kind of agreed with. And I think that there's value on both sides of the spectrum because if we just, as people, only try to push up the art that comes from dark places, you're basically saying to the world that the only thing of value is sadness. But I think that if you're using your message when you're in those dark places to communicate that you're not alone to other people and showing people that they as humans can get through this together, like there is light at the other end of the tunnel on anxiety, which is what I struggled with and what I feel like a lot of I tried to communicate in my earlier days of my photography about that like, okay, I'm not going through this anxiety alone. So and I don't want other people to understand that they're not going through their anxiety alone so I want to make sure that my art communicates that idea I think that is the the way to view the idea of tragic art or like art that is coming from a dark place in a better mental health light because it's just so not healthy as a as a person to be like my art's crap because I'm happy you know you don't want to encourage that at all there's just so many bad things that can come from that and we just want to make sure that as like, I don't know, as society, we're rewarding people for the right things, not for the wrong ones. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And that in itself, you know, the that can be that can be nourishing, which kind of leads me back to my you know, like original point, almost like the ability to express ourselves through art and to be able to like have shared experiences, shared feelings through art is like this like awesome skill we've unlocked through evolution. And I just think if like we're if we use it in a way that doesn't bring us joy or if we misuse it in such a way that causes us as creatives not to be nourished by it as we do it then you know yeah it's it's still art and I want to like really stick the flag in the ground and and say hey I was wrong you know like this is still art but if we are if we are simply not being nourished by it and nourishing others maybe we're missing a part of the point I think we definitely both wholeheartedly agree on that idea that, and nourish, uh, that about nourishment. Like nourishment doesn't have to be necessarily like, okay, I created art and now I'm so much happier and everything's great. Oh, far from it. Yeah. Yeah. Nourishment needs is, is the idea that it's putting you on a path towards growth in your own life or helping someone else in their in someone else's life you're not creating art from a completely selfish standpoint which i think that that's okay to create art from a selfish standpoint at times absolutely yeah um i think some of the world's best art probably came from selfish standpoints honestly but there is a intrinsic value to selfless art that i think tends to speak with a lot of people agreed i think when you when you think of the tragic artists you already touched on like vincent van gogh and I think throughout the rest of history, there are probably a couple other examples that people can think of. It's so easy for us as people who are living in the present to judge these people based off of their works and the stories about them rather than them as people. Because we don't honestly, like we weren't standing next to Van Gogh while he was painting his paintings. We only can go off of secondhand stories about how he was doing that. And I think we end up looking at these artists through these like weird rose tinted glasses of darkness where we're going like they're so much they're so depressed and so tortured and oh they're poor soul but it's like you honestly don't know what their day-to-day life was like we can say they were depressed because it makes their art seem better to the world at this point but i think it's doing them a disservice as a person to assume that that's the only thing they were going through in their life they're more likely they, they had their ups and downs you know they weren't exactly these, constant downward spirals where they just made art until they just exploded upon themselves exactly and i i think what you're saying is more reminiscent to actual 
you know, mental health, you know, or, or you know, mental unhealth in a sense. Uh, that's why, like, I, I don't want to say, like, oh, I'm definitely not saying if you have it, if you want an idea of what Vincent Van Gogh is like, go watch Vincent and the Doctor, the episode of Doctor Who where the Doctor meets Vincent. Um, but I will say that that episode had, like, a really honest and very real view on um, mental illness in a very real way in the sense that he is in one sense like really really happy in some points and he's ready to paint and then he is uh, viewing the world in a, in a very beautiful and you know a colorful way while keeping people at arm's length in some places and and you know not being able to deal with you know social interaction or whatnot and it's just like I, i'm not saying that that's how van gogh is like obviously not it's just a british show but we can't we can't figure that out but we can have a we can have a pretty good idea based on what like we know he struggled with um but what's most important i think is what he left behind viewing his works for what they are and not necessarily for the person that did them is i think something that's like we as people tend to struggle with in general because fame it basically distorts art in a big way because you end up like oh, this person intrinsically, his art is better than everyone else's art just because his name is everywhere. And that's another part of like the idea of just when you go, like we'll cover this in a later episode, but the idea of like how social media has created art and like how like social media fame and influencers have kind of changed the way art is viewed in the sense that like it's so easy to get that fame nowadays and it's like, okay, so where's the value? That aside, I think that what you're trying to cover is that like Van Gogh is just like any other human and any other famous artist that has these like famous tragedies, they definitely had their ups and downs. They were happy one day, sad the next. They had their, maybe they were bipolar. Like we don't like, mental illness is only like, a very recent thing that we as humanity have decided isn't a stigma anymore. We kind of decided as a people like, wow, these people aren't demon possessed. There's just something wrong in the chemical makeup of their brain. I think it's interesting as we move forward to see how that chemical makeup imbalance tends to affect art and just culture as a whole. Exactly. Especially how um, the culture treats it, you know, and or handles it because that is always changing. Yeah. Like how, how we as a culture react to it, I think is a big deal. Exactly. So moving on to the next subject, I think that I would like to talk about something that we were supposed to talk about at the beginning of the episode, but I think it's probably going to end up getting placed more towards the end, is uh, what were your creative wins and losses for the week, Ryan? Oh, hmm. Uh, hmm. I'm looking around my desk. Uh, I, I would say it's, um, and I don't, I, at the risk of being boring, I kind of would, I would kind of say that it is um, just establishing the next few months as far as um what commissions i have because i got a few uh for honestly for me it was the ability to have that conversation about art um with uh with my girlfriend and just uh be able to uh step away from the idea of like my you know I have to figure out a way to justify, you know, my thoughts, but to instead broaden my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I know that's yeah. not necessarily art. It's just a conversation about art. What is, what is art without conversations about it, though? Like, what is art without human eyes on that art? Exactly. Hey, absolutely. It was good. It felt nice. Um, I think my losses, it very, my, I feel like my biggest loss this week would probably be the attempt at magical realism. Yeah, which we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in our next segment. 
how about yourself? Uh, so for me, I would say my biggest creative win, honestly, and like this is going to sound a little uh, self-promotion, self-shamelessness, but Do honestly, it. how successful like our first episode did in our like own little personal bubble, because I was not expecting to get more than 10 downloads. Like that was our own little personal goal was to get 10 plays because yeah. we're not doing this to get famous. We just want to have fun and talk about art and mental health because it's something we're both very passionate about. And the fact that we we hit 50 plays in episode one and we're not even on iTunes yet, like we're still just only really on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Anchor, like that kind of blew my mind. It Also, to all my friends who are listening, I'm just so incredibly appreciative that you took the time to listen to Ryan and I just blab on about our thoughts on Steven Universe and art and all. We were just blabbing right on. And you guys like not only did it, you not, not only went and listened to it, but you were like, you came back and you were like, hey, this is pretty, this is pretty good, which is like wild. It's crazy that you guys would do that. And we love you. With a lot so of much. our hearts, all of you, and even yeah. the people who aren't our friends, the people who just listened, whether you came from uh, Facebook or Reddit or Twitter, like, it's so awesome that you decided to join us on this little uh, conversation. Yeah. And I, and I just want to say that I'm excited about it, about continuing it. I would say, so like to keep it real and like the balancing the wins and losses, uh, my loss for this week is probably that since our last episode, I haven't picked up my camera, which is ironic because the week before I picked up my camera a lot. Um, and it was probably... Call Alanis Morissette! What? Call Alanis Morissette. She's going to want to hear about this because that is pretty ironic. I hate you. <laughs> oh God, I was so confused by that. But then, like, yeah, you hooked I know. Me I, in I could feel. I could feel your confusion. It's okay. You hooked me back in right, like, right away. Especially like, hey, guys, stream Alanis Morissette on Spotify. She dropped a new single like two weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure it's kind of a banger. She's an angel. Yes, She's an she angel. is. Um, but I haven't picked up my camera at all, and I, it, it just came down to, and I think this is an important lesson for every creative. I got busy. My boyfriend and I just had a lot of things we were planning to do over the week. And on top of, I had a lot of work stuff just come up that I didn't have time. I'm actually cat-sitting someone's cat this week, so that has also taken up a little bit of random time. But uh, it's just I got too busy and my art kind of got put on the back burner. And I think that's okay that it's not... I'm, don't stress about it when these situations come up because, yeah, it's a loss in the sense that I didn't get to practice my art this week or like didn't get to actually stretch my creative muscle. But at least I like acknowledge that I know it's not a big deal. Yeah, we we are adults and we have responsibilities, and the uh, the real challenge is being an adult and balancing those things, and you know, yeah, doing what we need to do, and you know, finding time to do what we want to do. And I wouldn't, I I wouldn't, I would say it's it could it could be a loss. I wouldn't say it's a failure, and I I have that same issue. Agreed. Um. So art club, art club, art club. So, I want to join this club. This week we're going to talk about magical realism. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know why I did it like a haunted spooky voice. I don't know what it's yeah, it's not a ghost. I, yeah, it's not a ghost. So, um magical realism <laughs> is a style of fiction or art that paints the realistic world in a fantasy aspect. So it's kind of like the idea of taking a picture of a train and then manipulating that to have more of a fantasy or supernatural setting. It is actually uh, originated in Latin America. Specifically, it originated in written work before it moved over into art. It originated from the Cuban writer Alejo Carpentier. I probably murdered that. Whoa, maybe. I'm all I'm Cuban. 
You That's are Cuban. That's interesting to me. Um, and then it eventually uh, moved over in the 1920s and 1930s into kind of a blend of surrealism as it moved into Europe. But magical realism as a whole is this like very interesting subgenre of art because a lot of people tend to view like you have like your typical like fantasy genre, which a lot of people consider magical realism to be a subgenre of. And it's taking that idea and merging it with everyday things in our own lives. So like taking a car and then having that car that's obviously a modern day car flying through the sky um, or taking a scene with what obviously would be like a 1920 warplanes and having like crazy magical effects going on while they fly through what seems to be a battle um, or inserting a modern day businessman into a very obvious setting of like Rome back in the days when people were actually in the Roman Forum. Uh, and I think that that's kind of a really cool way of expressing these like mixtures of, I don't know, the, the real world and how like sort of how dreams function. Honestly, when I kind of look at magical realism, it reminds me of dreaming. Yeah. yeah it's exactly. this kind of like chaos that sort of just sprouts from our minds and how we kind of think that like, okay, like we make these random synapses firing and, and we absorb this media and like, a lot of us nowadays, because of uh, fantasy, has just blown up since, obviously, like, in the early 2000s, it was Lord of the Rings, and then in the in the 10s, it was Game of Thrones, and now we have, like, The Witcher and all these other, like, genres we're trying to fill that gap. And it's just kind of taking those things and fusing them with things we interact with on a daily basis. The other, I guess, more interesting aspect is that it's been around from before those things, like, people have been doing magical realism since, like, the, like, late 1800s, which is kind of oh my wild. God. Yeah. yeah, like, people who, who are, are doing this kind of work, like, I think, like, Frida Kahlo, God. Um, would you call Dolly magical realism? Um, and so, that's actually a big critique of magical realism, is that it is very vague. Um, a lot of people will kind of look at it and be like, is this magical realism? Is this expressionism? Like, what aspects really lead to creating a magical realistic painting or portrait or medium? Because these things are so hard to define. You have some people who are very strict on like, okay, magical realism needs to take an aspect of fantasy and incorporate it with something in the real world. There are people who say that magical realism needs to be taking like contract abstract thought and doesn't necessarily involve fantasy settings like um there are some that i've seen i think an example i sent you was just this like it's the idea it's this like line of boats that eventually it as it goes back it optical illusions into a bridge yeah and um i've seen that illusionary painting a couple times before we even started researching this um i think that painting is by uh rob gonslaves and i think it's called sunset sail I could be wrong. Um, that's just from a quick Google search. But uh, a lot of people think that a lot of people say that like magical realism needs to have that in it, that aspect of like taking uh, something on, like on the average every day and making it have some kind of blend of dreamy, awkward fantasy aspect. That, I mean, that's from my research into it. Uh, some of them, like, there are some people who drew, like, they, you click magical realism, and you just kind of get these, like, basic fantasy trees. Like, okay, it's just Tolkien art, Magic the Gathering art. Like, this is just 
very obvious stuff and i think that's honestly, why honestly when you first when you first pitched this i thought we were going to be talking about uh the art from magic cards like the idea of just like realistic looking magical paintings you know yeah and i think i think that that there that is its own subgenre i think that like fantasy and steampunk and like those kind of things have their own different thing and i think the magical realism that i wanted to explore more was this weird super abstract like um uh we'll definitely tweet this out uh this like painting of rocks with like a pagoda on top that are just stacked on top of it on a beach doesn't make any sense it's just kind of this crazy out there thing or um another really popular famous one is this woman she's in a victorian style obviously from a distance you can tell it's a victorian style dress but the dress itself is this massive city like, it's this huge city, and she's getting painted by a painter. And in the painting, all, like, next to her, there are also um, these little, like, pixies that are just kind of flying around to add more of the fantasy aspect. And she's getting painted what looks like could be possibly dwarves or hobbits. And that's by um, Tomek Setwaski, a Polish artist. Uh, oh boy, I was just going to try to search that. What were your thoughts when you got to like try like try you sort of pseudo tried out magic realism? Why don't I, you go I, into that? I, I, t I actually took that uh, painting of the ships up becoming a bridge, and I tried to uh, recreate it. And the first thing I noticed is that um, it is very freeform. Once you get close to it, um, like the it's a boat with another boat behind it, and another boat behind that, and another boat behind that, and those those boats as they get further away from uh the uh viewer in the perspective of the painting closer to the horizon they become instead the spaces between arches that are this bridge and the clouds are coming in and you can see the definitive uh top of the bridge shape um what i noticed is that the descending it was almost like uh, a cover of animorphs if you ever read those books. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where, like, the one after it looks very different than the one before it. Even in, like, the amount of sails it had or the shape of its sails. And it, the, it, it was amazing the creativity that comes with distortion. And I never thought about that. Just this idea. Because distortion, to me, just kind of seems like, okay, well, I shake the exasketch and I have distortion kind of thing. but. This, like, deliberate uh, melting or forming of something to make it look just slightly wrong is incredible. And I was, I was really taken aback and intimidated by it. And I drew a ship in water. And that's all I got. Hey, hey, I just said, uh, I, I prefaced this before, every piece of art does not need to be an absolute banger. You're right. You can, you can, you can make art. That's just, that's just, you know, it's your interpretation of it. And I think that, I think it's valuable. Even uh, you might want to cut this out. I don't know, but I think we should tweet out your little, your little ship sketch, even if it's just something you drew up, just like didn't get to finish, or if you want to finish it afterwards. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I can be an open book about, about my, my, my sketches. Your yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a new segment where you just like, without me knowing, you just be like, hey, what are you working on? Post it kind of thing and uh i would have to do it because it's like a suit up kind of thing or a slap bet <laughs> you are required to post your social media onto social media this uh this sketch yes um and i think uh unless you have other comments about magical realism i think that's kind of gonna do it for us this week i think you're right yeah 
Um, so thanks everyone for listening again. Um, thank you so much. It it's means the so world nice to us. Uh, I can't, I can't overstate how happy we are that you, uh, the listener have uh, clicked play and have gotten this far. If you're able to like word of mouth is beyond the best way to get this show out there. And if, if you could just share it with one friend, just one other person that would do us such a huge favor. And I don't think that there's any way we can reciprocate that love other than by saying thank you. Thank you. Um, you can find the show on Spotify. Uh, we have it in our social profiles as well as on our Twitter, the Creative SOM Cast. You can email us now at thecreativesomcast at gmail.com, where yeah, you can reach yeah. out if you want to suggest an art club genre. We are more than down to explore any kind of medium. It does not have to be painting. We're a genre of music, a genre of television show that you think has some kind of intrinsic value to art and mental health, you reach out and we will give it a, give it a shot. Give it our best. Absolutely. Yeah. We will dive into it. Um, with vigor. And, uh, I would say, Ryan, why don't you, why don't you give us a little bit of, uh, ironic by Alanis Morissette? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, he waited his whole damn life to take their flirt. And as the plane crashed down, he thought, Well, isn't this nice? Isn't it ironic? <laughs> Thank you. Don't Thank you. you. I'm happy yes. you decided to you decided to on the spot give us your own little cover of Alanis Morissette's ironic. Do you know why I did that? Because art comes from fearlessness. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to leave you guys. Thank you again for listening. Be fearless. Be great.